Hello and welcome to Sith Talk, anyone who is loyal to the Empire or even all those rebel scum. I'm your host, the Lady of Lore, or Lindsay, and with me is the one who normally comes up with all of the catchy introductions, so I have nothing other than, it's Brandon. Hello there. It's the best (laughs) I got right now. You actually did that pretty well, and I would say your hello there was even better than Empire Magazine's hello there. Oh my god, don't get me started. (laughs) I'm not even upset about it, I'm just upset that we all got so excited about it. You know, though, I thank God it was in a text message that I even said to you guys, watch, this is just going to be some expose. <laughs> yeah, like, like the the best idea that I that I thought, I think you threw this out, was like maybe Kenobi being released in theaters, but it just seemed weird that it would go through Empire of all places, so. Yes, I guess, yeah. I mean, I guess you get him talking, that's a good thing, so Empire's probably pretty happy with it, but what a... Yeah, I wonder how many hits they really got to their website or Twitter, because I know I, leading up to those few moments, just kept refreshing their website and Twitter and their website and their Twitter. And then it was that, and I was just like, "Eh, guess I can go to the gym now. (laughs) I booked an entire hour on my calendar to make sure no one would need me. And this way, if it was something fun and exciting, I had like the hour to freak out. I was like, I don't think I'll need this, but just in case. But but it was literally that. I was just like, eh. No, I totally, <laughs> I I, totally I should do saying. something. So yeah. my college thesis was on uh, uh, social media and sports athletes and how it brings athletes and uh, fans closer together. So I remember one night doing that when the Packers uh, won the championship won the Super Bowl, just refreshing my Twitter feed over and over again, waiting for the ring release so that I could get data out of it and stuff of like interactions <laughs> and things. So I totally know what it's like to be sitting there just like waiting for an hour on your phone, refresh, refresh, refresh. And it never happens. Like it took forever for them to actually like hand out the rings and stuff like that. And it was very anticlimactic, just like this. Like, yep, this is not. Yep. I mean, yay, Empire Magazine is releasing prequel stuff. Um, I fall in the camp. Yeah, I, I guess we we probably should. You know, it's still a good thing. Yeah. But but it's it's very wow, the boy who cried wolf. You know, like now I'm not going to trust anything Empire tries to hype up. And it's weird, too, because they didn't hype up like Fantastic Four. They just released it. You know, like, yeah, they had the announcement of the cast and they just released it it was just yeah it was weird but you know what i think this is something where where i know i had said on the last episode i was on too right when that uh hello there tweet got dropped it is a british magazine and i think maybe for for as great as they are worldwide there might be some disconnect with what audiences across the the world are interested in not just their direct locale I guess maybe I don't know. It was still, the whole situation was a little little weird, especially because it's twenty five years of the Phantom Menace, and he doesn't say hello there in the Phantom Menace. So, um, I mean, I know that the thing was celebrating the prequels as a whole, but oh, I mean, I'm not upset. It's I I highly doubted that Empire Magazine was going to be announcing Kenobi season two or anything like that. So, I didn't lose a lot of sleep over it 
before and I didn't lose a lot of sleep over it after. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Hopefully no one else did. You you um, apparently yeah. lost some sleep, but I did not. And hopefully someone was really, really, really excited and it was worth the wait for them. The photos were pretty cool. I haven't read any of the article. The photos with Hayden Christensen and Ian McDermott. Yeah. Pretty cool. So. Yeah, I'll give it to them. But oh, man. But yeah, that is our popular Star Wars opinion. Uh, What I want to do is a little different than usual just because there's no real new content for us to dive into super crazy we we talk so excessively about phantom menace lately we celebrated podcast day and i think we're we're so hyped up on the things we're given what i want to do is maybe piss off a few people and i want to hear brandon what is your unpopular star wars opinion oh man are you ready for this i am nervous for it <laughs> all right we're gonna... i'm nervous i'm nervous it's gonna be the same as mine too i highly doubt it's so, going to be i'm so curious i'm okay. so curious lay it on me what is your unpopular star wars opinion okay oh, i'm about to get canceled Luke should not have restarted the Jedi Order because the Jedi should Whoa. not be an institution. Whoa! Okay. Because you know what? You, you In that last part, I think you defended it well, knowing what we know now. But to say he shouldn't have kicked off the, the new Jedi Order, whether it's in Legends, whether it's in canon coming out that, that we're going to get, and and what we're seeing now with Grogu, that's a big, big claim. Because if you're going to defend this, I need to know where should Luke Skywalker have gone in his story after Return of the Jedi? Okay, well, first, we've got to make sure the focus is right. Because yes, it is about Luke, but it's really about the Jedi Order as an institution. And we know from the sequels that Luke did not effectively learn the lesson that he needed to learn from the Jedi of the prequels, right? Because at some point, all institutions fail because of either immorality, loss of vision, or sheer size. Like, there is a term called institutional failure that exists for a reason, right? So Mm -hmm. once an organization reaches a certain size, it has to inherently become political in order to maintain alone, just to maintain its status quo, which stops it from being effective. You can think about things like the Red Cross, for example, not an effective program anymore. A penny to every dollar actually goes to the things that you donated for, right? Whereas you compare that to something, not to be egotistical, but something as small as Clashing Sabers, where we put books into schools, and we're able to put 100% of that into schools, right? If we were to grow to a size where we had to start, you know, maintaining a status quo, where we had to uh, consider political powers and how they were going to impact our business, it becomes very different. And that's where the Jedi mm-hmm. were. You can think about, and I'm not calling out religion, but you can think about the, the big C church, right? And its ineffectiveness and what actual change or global impact is it making at this point? Like, there are factions inside of it that are helping, 
But on a whole, the big political body that has become the church is creating more, I would personally say, social detriment than social benefit because it has to serve itself first. It has to maintain its status. All who gain power are afraid to lose it, even the Jedi. So the larger the Jedi Order became, the more ineffective it became because it had to, and we're seeing this in the High Republic, become more tied to the Republic. And even Obi-Wan, the ideal Jedi, says, I serve the Republic, I serve democracy, right? Not I serve the Force. And to me, that's a huge moment. So the same thing would have happened to Luke's order if his order had continued and it had continued Mm -hmm. to grow. The only reason it didn't happen is because of the circumstances with Ben, which just Mm -hmm. expedited the eventual fall through different circumstances. But it was going to fail because he was recreating a structure that is bound to fail, right? And I define failure as losing sight of your mission, not serving the people, if if that's your goal, not serving the people that you are supposed to be serving. And I think we can look at the Jedi, the prequels, and realize that they were not serving the people that they they wanted to or they needed to be serving. We can contrast what we see in the Clone Wars with what we see in the High Republic, and we've done this, about how lost the, the Jedi were. So I say all that to go back to what should have happened, which is there should have been not so much a formal order as individuals who got trained and kind of were nomadic and um, serving the people in front of them. So I think about particularly looking at Avar Chris in um, Eye of Darkness and how she was doing these little missions and Ahsoka, you know, um, in the Ahsoka novel, serving these little missions to improve the daily lives of people. Right. And to create this, that's how social change is created. It's not created through war. It's not created through uh, struggles of power. It's created through the everyday person using their powers, whatever it may be. In Star Wars, it's literally manifested as the force to make some change in their community. Right. And so they. I look towards like, what are they going to do with Ray in the new Jedi order movie? Right. That's the shorthand. We don't know that that's what it's going to be, but we know it's going to involve, you know, her 15 years later, she's been training as a Jedi. Most likely she's working to train Finn or somebody else. Right. And so (laughs) I think that she should start building the order and this is what Luke should have done. um, But hopefully we'll get to see Ray do it. Training one-on-one train one Padawan, let that Padawan go train another as you train another. But there shouldn't be a council assigning any missions or any connection to whatever the new, new Republic is. Instead, those trained through Ray's lineage should, like I said, serve the needs they see in front of them, even if they seem small and insignificant. So while Luke's order didn't fail because of uh, political ties, um, I believe it would have. So what should he have done to answer your question after the events of Return of the Jedi? I think he should do exactly what I'm saying Ray should have done. Train one apprentice, let that apprentice train another apprentice, but not have any formal order. Just have the Jedi as a uh, faith and a, uh, a practice um, in the same way that we see Um, kind of spirituality taking an individual form in our modern world instead of being tied to the institution of the church. I think we should see that in Star Wars, especially 
with its more Buddhist background and things of that nature. Yeah, but how can you say that that kind of training is really scalable? Because if you think about the many different gifts and talents that some force users have and others don't, I think you need to be able to connect with that teacher, that master that's right for you and right for your gifts. Because if, you know, Ray, luckily she was learning to, to levitate rocks. What about though her psychometric, right? That's never really going to be picked up and touched on because she doesn't have a teacher specifically for that. Now imagine if she was being taught by Quinlan Voss, who is able to hone those gifts and really expand them. When you have this, this one-off informal training of the force, I think you would end up with so many people who aren't reaching their full potential because they don't have access to everything that they could have access to with a formal structure. Uh, see, but you'd still have, if, if you're not trying to bring in like Luke brought in 12 Padawans, right? That's mm-hmm. not, you're, you're not going to be as effective of a teacher the more students that you add, right? You can, I can say that as a teacher who's gone, yeah. who's had Everyone classrooms. Everyone always that, wants those small class right. sizes. Like I've taught classrooms yeah. where there's 12, I've taught classrooms where there's 28, and the the 12 is, it's not even that it's easier, it's just more effective. And so you by having this one-on-one training you create what we had with uh you know kind of ahsoka obi-wan qui-gon dooku anakin all of that little you almost get like a jedi family tree right where you're going to be able to be connected with masters with people who can help you through that lineage and so you're going to have that connection and i don't think it needs to be scalable I think they, you know, Qui-Gon put it perfectly, like if the needs of the people in front of us tell us one thing, well, the needs of the people are, are telling you that fighting wars, being a political body, which the Jedi had to become, like, I don't think that they could have avoided it in order to, uh, you, you got to think you need funding, you need resources, like the bigger you get, the more of those things that you need. And if you are trusting people one-on-one to to serve a simpler purpose, they're going to be able to become more effective at that. Again, like I go back to Obi-Wan, who is who we, you know, feature as the ideal Jedi and think about how connected he was and how much he viewed the Jedi as an order and what a barrier that became for him, or rather an institution and what that became for him when he lost that like he almost lost his purpose and we even see in the original trilogy that his vision towards what can happen with anakin is limited because of what happened in the prequels and a lot of that is that mindset that he was not able to get fully out of and i love obi-wan i'm not calling obi-wan out it's a matter of circumstance for him and he was never fully able to break that that jedi should be an order kind of thing All right, so here's my kind of rebuttal for this. And I say this because I'm probably going to get canceled anyway when I tell you my unpopular Star Wars opinion. Um, So maybe I'll just get canceled now. I understand thinking of it in terms of, you know, the 
<laughs> I like that you call it the big C church. Um, but that, that kind of organized religion and comparing it to Buddhism. I think that what you're getting at is maybe better compared to certain forms of government because I, I get and I, I fully understand you're saying that the Jedi Order should be separated from the the New Republic and from that governing body and not have that oversight. Here's where I think it gets a little tricky though. And here's where I don't want to get canceled. I don't want to endorse one political party over another. And that's certainly not what I'm doing here. And I'm tr not trying to apologize for, for certain things. But here in the U.S., you have the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. Say what you will about either one. But the reason that those two parties were founded, so I'm not talking about anything going on in the world or the country today. I'm talking about the reason why those two, brand, uh, two parties were founded was because one believed in a strong federal government and one believed in stronger state governments where you have more free, I don't want to say freedom in the sense, but but you have more wiggle room, right? You can do what's best for just you and those people local to you. So that being said, how can you say that you're going to have this grassroots movement where Jedi are being trained and they're going to help the people in front of them? Because what if the, the people who need help don't have anyone who knows that they're force sensitive and has been trained and can help? That's what I'm saying. It's, it's not scalable. Wouldn't it make more sense to have more of that original thought of the Republican Party and those those state rights and those state governments in the form of a new Jedi order. But you can even look at, you know, what the political parties have become and they become insular. They don't try to serve the needs of all. They try to serve the needs of their institution. So if you take the Jedi out of that grassroots situation, you put them in a position where that becomes a plausible reality where the Jedi have to serve themselves before they serve someone else. So are you going to be able to get everybody and solve every problem? No, like you're gonna, there are going to be sacrifices that are made. Um, unfortunately, there's going to be problems that do not get resolved in the way that uh, we would hope them to be resolved. But at some point you have to, you know, it's an opportunity cost situation um, and, and you have to make those kind of decisions. And we've seen the Jedi, uh, we've seen political parties, you know, we've seen uh, religious organizations, the bigger they become, the more damage they end up doing, right? So you, both political parties, I would argue, do are doing more damage right now than they are doing good. Um, and, and that's because of a loss of their vision and because they have to serve themselves. It's the same thing, like, you can look at school districts. The most effective school districts are smaller districts where things are able to be aligned. You look at, I'll just talk about in Texas here, the biggest school district in the state, in the second largest state in the country, had to be taken over by the state government because of its ineffectiveness, because it was so huge that it was not able to really do anything effectively. It was not able to act effectively for the students and were create that. Yeah. That, 
it's a problem. But then you you still have the state that's able to say, here's what's effective and what's not. At what point but was state, someone? Okay, so here's the counter. If you don't have a Jedi Council, if you don't have a Jedi Council, though, at what point does someone say like, hey? This little this little group here, you're not really holding your weight. You know, Girl Scouts of America has has a uh, an overall body that that sees every little troop, and they're able to say this troop's doing good. This one, you know, here's what you actually need to do for your gold awards, stuff like that. But there still but, has to be some kind of oversight. But that's what I mean. The Jedi. You, with the with the power that they have, like they need to be able to individually define what success is, you know, and not I don't I don't think you like I'm not promoting anarchy, but I think if you are very careful in who you select, like the Jedi were just training anybody who was force sensitive. I don't necessarily know if that's the route to go, you know, like think about how things would have been different if Ben didn't get trained. You don't have that moment in the hut. You don't have the rise of the first order. Like it gets shut down easier because you don't have a, a force wielder at the helm. Like, so it's not a perfect system, but I think that there is enough evidence that if you choose the right people, and that would be the big difference, and that's something that I believe Luke, if he was not trying to rebuild a larger order and was just trying to train, let's say just try to train Ben, would have been able to do more effectively. And so then Ben defines for himself what it means to be a Jedi. And then his apprentice, you know, and or his apprentices, because he would end up training multiple, would be able to define who they what what being a Jedi meant to them. Right. And we've seen this in the High Republic and and like slowly the the Jedi are getting worn down um and are having to become more intertwined with the Republic because of the threat of the Nile. But mm-hmm. imagine if you didn't have the Jedi Council having to make decisions of war and instead you had uh Vernestra Rowe and Avar Chris and uh Buryaga and Bell just being able to fight the battle in front of them and do what they believe is right. And if they I mean, everybody would still be governed by the New Republic. Like, if the Jedi cross a line, if they break a law, if they do something immoral, like, they would be held to the standard of everybody else, but they they wouldn't have the political sway and power that led to situations where a Pongrel can rise and within their ranks, and they don't even know because they're spread so thin. Imagine if you had, uh, like a one-on-one thing, you had a more relational Jedi order rather than a transactional Jedi order, you can like sense when somebody's going to the dark sooner. You can do something about it sooner. You can create a culture where you discuss those things, where you are not trying to protect the organization so you can actually explore what happens when you start to feel the dark side within you. Because I, I, I go to... Rise of the Red Blade, right? What was the biggest issue for Iscat? It was that all the Jedi did at that point in the story was give platitudes and never gave any real solutions and never really helped her understand the emotions that were going on within her. Well, if you have something where you don't have this council, you know, looking over you and saying what you can do and can't do, and instead you have a relationship with a master 
who is focused on training you and you alone to be the best version of a Jedi that you can be, not the Jedi that the council expects you to be, you have a situation where there's more intimacy, more trust, more relationship, which is something that Iscat did wasn't able to have with any of the masters that she tried to connect with. They all told her the same things over and over again instead of trying to solve the problem that was going on within her. And through solving the problem that was going on within her, they would then solve the larger problems because they would equip her with the tools to go out and do what she was capable of doing and what she actually believed in rather than giving into her more base instincts of I'm a killer. So I'm going to kill. All right. So here's where maybe I'm not going to be a little fair in this fight because I'm going to ask you to speculate. And obviously this is pure speculation. We don't know how this all started and hopefully we'll know in the next few years, once we actually have this Dawn of the Jedi movie, but think about everything that you are saying and, and the transformation and what could have been. How do you think the original Jedi Order started? Because I'm willing to bet it's pretty fucking close to what you're saying Luke should have started. And then it naturally had to become what it became. So if not in this way, how would you think the Jedi Order originally started? No, I think it. I think it would have started this way. I, I think you, you're, you're assuming that they had to become what they became. Like that was the key word, and what you said is, you know, eventually they had to become. Okay. I don't think they had to become what they became. That's. I think that's the difference in our argument is. But the but Jedi that tried to become bigger. I feel like proves your original point invalid because then what else would Luke? do if not restart it so you're saying the starting point is the same and then somewhere maybe not even in the middle maybe not even the beginning but towards the end something changed and got too big so what could luke specifically have done to make sure that his new order didn't become the old one keep it small keep it one-on-one keep it intimate and not connected to the new republic don't try to train 12 people at one time i think you know, Where, I'm trying to remember, though, do we have any evidence that his new order was connected to the New Republic? Not at that point. Uh, Bloodline think, Bloodline lays it out that it's not. But, yeah, you know, you, you can... Even, I, like, yeah, Aftermath, it's, it's all still too young. I mean, you can even look at mm-hmm. Legends and how distant um, Luke had to be from the individual trainings of like Jason and and Jaina, for example, like I'm not fully versed in that, but I think about, you know, young Jedi Knights I read growing up and you get appearances of Luke, you know, teaching whole classes and Mm -hmm. stuff. And you don't get as much it's it's college courses rather than a more intimate one-on-one thing. Mm -hmm. So I think where we differ is I don't think the Jedi had to become something political and bigger. I think you can look at like Ahsoka and the way that she practices uh, being a Jedi, but doesn't consider herself a Jedi because she doesn't believe in the institution anymore, right? You can have more of that. And there are times when she's going to try to solve, you can look at the Ahsoka series, she's trying to solve bigger problems, but she's not trying to do it through the New Republic, uh, or at least when the new Republic denies her, she, she decides not to do it, but she's not limiting herself to what the Jedi order needs to be. So, 
So Hera should be in charge of the new Jedi Order is what it, we're saying. Exactly. Hera should be in charge of everything. <laughs> Hera should, yeah. Like, I, right. I don't think I don't think there's a perfect system. Right. And that's the problem that we're always going to have when starting something that's going to contain multiple people. But like. I just I think you have enough evidence in our world and combine it with what we see in Star Wars that 99 percent of the time when a, an organization gets so large and you can even look at the education system as a whole in our country it's in the shitter. Like, we are not competitive educationally. We are not competitive in any way, shape, or form with countries that have smaller class sizes, more of a ratio, better teacher-to-student ratios, all of those things that are proven scientifically to be more effective that, um, like, we are in a very similar position educationally with where the Jedi were, where it's not about producing people that can think for themselves. It's not about producing people who have um, the actual capabilities and skills to go out in the world. It's about serving the institution. It's about getting kids to pass a test. That's how you're judging your Jedi masters, you know, in this instance, is what the statistics show, not are you changing the life? Are you equipping the person in front of them to solve the problems that they have in front of them? And that's the same thing that went wrong with the Jedi is they became so focused on, I need to make my apprentice into a Jedi that fits within this Jedi order and this Jedi structure that when we can look at Ahsoka and how lost she felt when she left the order, they're not equipped with the skills to do anything other than serve the Jedi order. And so you get rash situations where you can have a Barriss Offy not knowing how to bring issues forward. And so she's going to try to, you know, destroy the institution as a whole or the rise of the inquisitors. You know, they don't have any skills outside of, um, you know, training the force and fighting a war. So what are they going to do? They're going to continue to train and force and propagate war. Like it's, there's so many examples of when the smaller one-on-one more intimate relationships make change than there is larger institutions Hmm. (sighs) you did it you certainly gave an unpopular star wars opinion i'm still not totally sure i agree with you i agree that harris should definitely be in charge of (laughs) But, (laughs) but i don't i don't know man it's it's food for thought i'll give you that much what about you what's one of your unpopular star wars opinions all right, so mine is less so about exact, you know, plots or characters or anything, but I am I'm probably also going to get canceled after this because I know it is so important for the Star Wars setup. And I know that this is something where when we talk about something feeling like Star Wars and feeling inherently Star Wars, this is a pretty key component of it. However, I don't think the trilogy format, especially for the Skywalker saga, is truly the best way to tell these stories. And I don't think it's been for a while. I don't know that I just necessarily disagree. Oh, thank God. Okay. Because, like, it, it, 
what what really prompted this was actually last week when I was talking with Zach about the Phantom Menace. And I, I said something along the lines of, this is really the prelude to the prequels. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. like it's part of the prequels. It's a, it's a prelude to it. So that's the first kind of issue, right? I think that because, and I understand why, I understand the technology behind it. I understand George Lucas wasn't sure people would want these stories and be interested in these stories. So I get why episode four, A New Hope, came out first. I think the issue was then naming it episode four and trapping us into only having three more episodes and and three more movies to tell this story. Because I think that the rise and fall of Anakin Skywalker, the way that George intended it would have been so much better served had it been more stories or even just longer. You know, now I think it's, it's more common to get a three plus hour movie but we don't, right? We're really crammed for time. We're really crammed in that 120 minute and you only get three chances at that for the prequels. And I think that's part of the reason why the prequels get the shit that they do. I also think that obviously with the sequel trilogy, we get the comparisons, right? Force Awakens, line it up with New Hope. And then all of a sudden you have The Last Jedi, which is so vastly different. And then people are then upset about the way Rise of Skywalker ended because we're comparing it to all those other three sets that came before it. And it this is not, yes, Star Wars is poetry. I get that. It does not have to be an ABC stanza after another ABC stanza. It's poetry in its own right. It doesn't have to be an equal match. And I think that at this moment, having the three trilogy format. And if we continue to do trilogy formats, we are only hindering the kind of stories that could be told. I think there's enough evidence to, to take that from an popular opinion to just fact. Um, I think you're, you were totally right on like, it's not enough time in each movie because you're limiting yourself to the 120 minute format. And if you had longer movies, you could tell longer stories, right? And and the way that I've always viewed the prequels is more of a summary of what happened rather than the original trilogy, which is more of a full story of what happened. And the the sequels are what the sequels are. Like, I, I think it's undeniable that the trilogy structure did not really serve them because they didn't know exactly how things were going to go. They weren't 100% clear on messages that they were trying to get across. They were just trying to make fun movies. But you And that that could also just be a, if you're going to do a trilogy setup, have one person manage the entire fucking trilogy. Yeah, that would have been a lot better. Um, So there's a lot of, of complications within the sequel trilogy. But you look at what the Clone Wars did for the prequels. And I think that's right there shows that taking the time to tell longer stories is a better way to tell these kinds of stories. And these, especially these serialized stories that are epic, but they also build on top of each other. You, if you had five movies for the prequels, imagine how different things would be. I'm not saying you need to tell every story that's in the clone wars in the movies, obviously, but if you had 
five stories and, and one every five years of, of Anakin's life, um, you've got a much better story. And yeah. then the original trilogy can be three because the three works like it was lightning in the bottle that the three worked, mm -hmm. but you could also have an intermittent one in between empire and Jedi, where you see Luke continuing his Jedi training, those things that we've gotten in comics and novels. And then in the sequels, you know, like look at what a book like shadow of the Sith did for rise of Skywalker. It made it such a better movie. You look at what Rogue One did for the original trilogy, and then on top of that, what Catalyst does for just the opening scene of Rogue One. Like, these iterative stories that we're getting mm -hmm. make the saga so much better every time we get them. Uh, not every time. There is aftermath. That's why I'm kind of hoping, you know, th this new timeline that they have created that seems to be what they're making the foundation or hopefully making the foundation is going to be a shift from we have to tell a trilogy format to... If this one works, we're going to do another one. So if the Ray movie works, I think you tell a complete story with the Ray movie where if it's the only one there, it's fine that it's the only one there. Yeah. Um, like yeah. Rogue One. Okay. But you also can continue the story on if it gets good box office returns, which is what mm -hmm. they're judging success as. And maybe you yeah. have nine movies of Ray and her building, you know, a. Uh, non-order Jedi <laughs> situation. So, um, see, we both win with our unpopular. Exactly, <laughs> but but like I think, and and then also you look at the Mangold movie. Like, let James Mangold tell his Ten Commandments, but then you also uh, create a situation where you can tell older stories um, that are not tied to you know what we knew with the uh, the old Republic and and all the weight that comes with that and, and stuff. And uh, I mean, even. I even think with Mandalorian and Grogu, I think it's a test run to see whether they're going to keep Mandalorian on TV or whether they can shift it to theaters. Like, I think that season four of Mandalorian could be the last season we see on TV if Mandalorian and Grogu is a box office success. And so I think that this is a trial run to see, can we do this where we can... Um, tell stories not contained within a trilogy, but also that don't have to be singular. And yeah. I think the biggest thing is going to be not falling into the trap of solo of, you know, not really knowing what you're trying to accomplish and mm -hmm. leaving all of these threads left over. Like, I, I, yeah, that doesn't work. So well, not only that too, like this is probably going to be a more popular opinion, even though I would disagree with the opinion I'm going to put out now. I think I've done a good job specifically on this show and throughout other episodes of, of other shows and, and whatnot, I think I've done a pretty decent job defending Rise of Skywalker, especially in comparison to Duel of the Fates. However, I think if we weren't limited to a trilogy format, Duel of the Fates could have worked. It was just too much and too much inside baseball for one movie. Whereas if you... I had maybe a different version of The Last Jedi that led into things in a different way. I think Duel of the Fates could have... Is it Duel of the Fates or Duel of Fates? Duel of the Fates. Okay. Phew. I think Duel of the Fates could have been a really cool series of movies, just not one. But again, we're trapped with this trilogy format all because George Lucas decided that New Hope was 
episode four. And it all starts with the prequels. You need more than those those three movies at 120 minutes to tell those stories in the way that they deserve. Yeah, I, I mean, not that I would not want the prequels to exist because obviously you and I are prequels kids. We grew up watching these yeah. movies. We love Clone Wars and everything like that. But I think there is a world where there is a possibly healthier Star Wars uh, situation where A New Hope is episode one and we don't ever really get, or maybe we get the backstory of Anakin, but it's not called, you know, uh, episodes one, two, and three um, because it's maybe it becomes what we're getting with uh, the race, you know, stories where they're not going to put episode numbers on it as far as we know. But if, like, imagine if, Rise of Skywalker didn't have the pressure of ending the Skywalker saga. And there's allowed to be a movie after that that is not thought of as the end cap of things. Like how different the situation around Rise of Skywalker would be and the pressure around it. And, you know, like J.J. was had his hands tied with the Carrie Fisher situation, which is one problem. But also, yeah. you know, one, he's not a closer. Um, so I think that that creates a lot of problems. He sets stuff up very well, but he's not known for closing stories off very well. And Or at all. Or at all. Um, <laughs> and I think that that's a problem Rise of Skywalker faces is it needs to close things off, but also, you know, leave open things for future stories. And if it didn't have that much pressure of, of ending this saga and it was just a continuation of this saga and maybe it's episode... 12 or 27 at that point like who knows um then you know another movie is coming after it that can make things a little bit better whereas you had the controversy around the last jedi everybody knows i love that movie so i'm not downing the last jedi but it also can't be denied that it caused a lot of issues within the fandom well imagine if the movie after that is not the one that has to wrap everything up imagine how you can pivot to a healthier situation. I'm not saying go against the last Jedi. I'm not saying like, you know, craziness, like it's not Canon or anything like that, but you can have more movies after that, where that is just more of a blip and less of the it's, it's one out of nine. It's, you know, one of the only star Wars movies we get within this Skywalker saga that is now wrapped up and complete. I just think, you, I mean, look at Marvel, for example. Like, look how even, I mean, for the most part, the Phase 4 has been a little bit crazy, but for over a decade, you know, um, of consistently putting out two to three movies a year, 30, like, it was like 30 movies or something once Infinity War uh, came out. Yeah. Like, an insane amount of movies that they were able to keep... A healthy progress on all telling this one larger story like i think it's undeniable that uh it as a format if it can be pulled off is effective now the, the counter argument is you know dc and things like that so at the end of the day you do have to have good stories and good stories trump everything but i don't yeah i don't necessarily disagree with you that that could have been and it's crazy that it all goes back to it being episode four kind of pigeonholed yeah. everything else that could come after it. But I think if yeah. you look at how 
like look at how the Kenobi series adds to the duel in mm-hmm. A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Look at how um, you know even a simple thing like seeing what we surmise is a Snoke body in Episode Two, or excuse me, Season Two of Mandalorian, um, and how that kind of just sparked things. Imagine if you had more time to carry that thread through. You know. Um, it's just so many more possibilities. You have more time. More time can mean better stories. But yeah, that's just it, right? This isn't a oh my wishful thinking. I want to see this. It's that we could have better stories. Yeah, aspect for me, and that's that's what it comes down to. It's just so weird because as Star Wars fans, we put so much stock in these three different trilogies and so much of our, our internal jargon and our verbiage is built around the trilogy format. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think it's going to take time to break us of that. Cause all we've gotten are either a trilogies um, or B one-off movies. Right. Yep. And so yeah. if we get this new format where movie one is the test ground you know, um, I think that that's great. I think it holds a lot of potential. And um, you, we also know they're going to be shifting away from Disney Plus series. Yeah. Like Andor is going to become an anomaly in its $250 million, uh budget. Like it had a movie budget. It's not making movie returns. So if you're shifting towards more of that movie format, you you have that in these television shows you know, but you're limited to a TV budget. Whereas you take that and you try to tell these stories that they're telling on uh, on TV in the movie theater. Like, imagine if Ahsoka got to be, let's say, two movies. Is season one is two movies. You have the the first four and the last four, and you restructure it and everything like that. Even look at Kenobi. Like Kenobi was supposed to be a movie. Imagine how different our conversation around that story would be if Kenobi is. I almost said three movies, but if, if Kenobi's allowed to be two movies <laughs> or four listening. movies. Yeah, I know, I know, right? I, th- I think Dawn of the Jedi would actually be the perfect one to test this out with because it sounds like it could be a grand enough scale that, to your point, if I, I hate to say if box office numbers um, that's what it comes down go to. Go where they the should. The it, it is, it is. And I can't ignore that. But in a perfect world, if it was just, hey, here's some stories that are, are spinning off and people thought are interesting, a la Rogue One. Um, but if, if it was just told with integrity and people are clamoring for a little bit more, I think Dawn of the Jedi would be good because of that grand scale, but also because it's already going to feel so incredibly separate Mm-hmm. from what we're used to. You know, this could be the the guardians of the galaxy of the Marvel universe where for a second you forget, hey, it's Marvel because it looks and feels and sounds so different. And I think if if it is different enough, people aren't going to mind and, and aren't going to feel the weight of moving away from that trilogy format. Yeah, I, I don't think we need to be stuck in that format anymore. I... I... Not unpopular to me. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because I don't. I'm saying. I'm saying too. Not just that we have to be stuck in it now. I'm saying we should never have had to be stuck in it. Yeah, I I, I don't disagree. Um, Sweet. Look at me go. Look at you. Cool. Yeah. Maybe I won't get canceled. 
I mean, at least not by me, but we're going to be <laughs> we're going to be in the same boat a- anyways when this episode comes out. So we'll, we we'll are. See. We are. So so speaking of, we would love to hear from you guys if you're going to cancel us for our unpopular opinions, if you agree with us, if you don't hate us, but you still disagree with us. Why? Um, so best place you can do that is head over to Facebook and go to Star Wars Clashing Sabers. That's our Facebook group. And we are always, always, always interested in hearing your feedback on this or on any of our other shows on the Clashing Sabers network. You can hit that subscribe button on wherever you listen to your podcasts and follow more for Sith Talk. And then, of course, our many other shows on that same feed. Uh, you can also head over to Instagram and follow our host, Zach, at Sith Talk. Um, he is not on this episode, but he does run that social media page. So not only will you see stuff for Sith Talk being posted, you'll also see some of him working out, him drinking, him eating, but you'll get some Star Wars stuff too. Um, but B, do you want to tell us where our listeners can find you and maybe a little bit more about Clashing Sabers? Sure. So at Clashing Sabers on all the socials is where you will find us. Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, slash X, slash whatever. Uh, Lindsay mentioned the Facebook group is really the most interactive place for us. Um, we've got over 400 amazing people in there, uh, talking star Wars all the time. So definitely come and join us there and, and join us in our mission to put star Wars books into classrooms across the country by going over to our Patreon, uh, and donating there. You get bonus episodes from Amanda, um, who is our Patreon manager and, uh, she's putting out content quite regularly over there and so for a couple bucks a month you not only get to ensure that star wars uh will exist for the next generation but you get to get some cool stuff uh to to listen to so if you enjoy what we do here you're definitely going to enjoy that and you can rest easy knowing that you are helping be a, a little like the jedi that i think we should all be and and helping solve the smaller issues of the world to make bigger impacts i love that it's what we do. There we go. <laughs> All right. Well, with that being said, Brandon, thank you for joining me. Everyone else, we hope to see you over on our Facebook group. And may the force be with you. Always. All Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of the Clashing Sabers Network and ClashingSabers.net. All licensed sounds and images are the property of their respective copyright holders and are used for informational and educational purposes only. For more information on our nonprofit or to nominate a teacher, go to ClashingSabers.net. For questions or inquiries, please email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. You're just going to walk away?